I don't want to hear from Mr. Trump or hear about Mr. Trump until he either dies or goes to prison. Let's cleanse our palate. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Fire You Can't Put Out. My name is Melvin, and I want to thank you so much for being here. So you're going to get two episodes this week. I feel like I need to break these two segments apart. And here's where we're going to start today. I was taken aback by an article that I read in Medium this week, put out by author and talk show host Tom Hartman. He regularly writes for Medium, and I would encourage you to head over to Medium and read his articles as they come out because they are absolutely brilliant. He's written for any number of websites over the years, uh, but I think he's going to do most, if not all, of his writings for Medium from here on out. So the article that he put out this week, or late last week, is titled, He Evaded Responsibility Longer Than Anybody Thought He Would. Quoting directly here. He lied to his followers for years. He told them that he was chosen by God to lead them and that they were the only true believers. Everybody else was okay with abortion, homosexuality, and was weak-kneed about the Bible's call for vengeance that mandates the death penalty. He reveled in the fact, in his ability, to use the death penalty. The right-wing preachers loved him, and he showered them with attention, bending government to shower him with wealth and power. They, in turn, told their congregants that despite his personal feelings, he was the one, the reincarnation, or at least the modern-day version of an ancient king, whose scripture said would come to lead the people into the last days when the Messiah would return. He used race and religion as weapons, promoting scorn and hate against those unlike him and his followers. Intolerance and bigotry bound his acolytes to him. He told his followers that all the politicians were corrupt, except for those who had pledged loyalty to him, and encouraged them to follow a bizarre cult belief that those political leaders regularly engaged in vile acts of Satan worshiping and perverted sexual practices. He whipped them into a frenzy, he used everything from sophisticated online propaganda techniques to old-fashioned rallies to build their loyalty to him. Their willingness to fight for him, even for some, their willingness to die for him. He was a tall, vain man who obsessed on his own appearance, demanded absolute loyalty from his third wife, who stood by him as his evil act unfolded, and his children from her and the other wives. He burned through much of his inherited real estate construction fortune, building a small empire devoted to his cult of hero worship of himself, becoming a minor media star and an outspoken advocate for cracking down on crime and criminals. He reveled in being their leader, their chosen one, the unique person who they believed could save the nation, their religion, and their way of life. He never specifically told anybody to attack U.S. landmarks in a way that was explicitly Ill illegal. 
He told them that they had to fight, that they had to be strong, and that they were the last chance to save a threatened way of life that mostly flourished in rural areas. But he left it to others to plan the actual attack. Others who lived far away, who had spent years learning the techniques and technologies of the weapons they would use. Others would actually plan the effort to decapitate the government and its institutions of power with a mighty blow that would shock the world. He surrounded himself with corrupt cronies who drew their authority and power from their close association with him and helped fill the ranks of the government he had seized at almost every level across the country with people who had sworn fealty to him. For his followers and true believers, it seemed he was the blessed one, the Midas touch, the man who turned everything into gold. He loved and reached out to the poorly educated, knowing that they were the least likely to understand the historic blasphemy he was committing against both their religion and the pro-democracy movement that was sweeping the nation. When his followers finally executed the plan they had organized in secret, with funding and a wink and a nod from him, whipped into a frenzy by his oratorical skills, he refused to acknowledge the responsibility for their horrific act or the people who died as a result of it. In his public statements, he feigned ignorance of the details, although reports leaked out that at the time of the attack, as people were fleeing in terror and dying, he was gleefully watching the entire thing on television from his place of safety. At first, it seemed that he would escape any sort of penalty or punishment. Right after his followers pulled off the crime he'd encouraged them to commit, elected Republicans expressed outrage and blamed him by name. Over time, their efforts to hold him accountable became more and more feeble, and they eventually changed their mind about prosecuting him altogether. The Republican leader said, I just really don't spend that much time on him, to be honest with you. It looked, just as with pretty much everything else in his life, where he had, uh, where he had been irresponsible and destructive, that he would get away with this one, too. After all, he hadn't taken up arms against anybody. He hadn't beaten a policeman or anybody else to death. He didn't even participate in planning the attack. Eventually, however, the task fell to a Democratic politician to bring him down. Osama bin Laden was finally brought to justice by President Barack Obama on May 2nd, 2011. So obviously, the point there, as you're listening to that entire story be told, it falls entirely in line with, with who? With Trump. With Donald J. Trump. Stochastic terrorism is how the Republican Party has operated for years. I don't really know if the Republican Party actually wants terrorism carried out, or if they're just not all that concerned about it, it as a tactic being used. 
I believe that the ultimate objective for the United States Republican Party is to strip power away from you and I and shift it to the ultra-wealthy. Everything else that they use in order to get to that place is really just a means to an end, and perhaps they're not even really that attached to things like white supremacy and oil and what have you. It's just whatever it takes. When Fox News regularly broadcasts about the exact same things that Donald Trump said, you are losing your country. Liberals are taking over everything. Bleeding hearts are destroying your country. When they do those things and the folks on the other side of those television screens decide to carry out those attacks, they too are engaging in stochastic terrorism. Charlie Manson never killed anybody. Hitler never killed anybody. Donald Trump didn't kill anybody. But they directed. They directed folks. They took over their minds and they made them feel like they had no choice. Listening to what Donald Trump said to these people, it became clear that they had no choice but to do what he said to do. And this past week, 57 senators in the United States Senate voted to convict Donald Trump of the crime of insurrection and inciting a riot. But the Constitution says you need two-thirds. And 43 Republicans said that it is just fine with them. It's absolutely okay what Donald Trump did. The fact that those people stormed the Capitol and terrorized House members and Senate members. They'll tell you, oh, no, no. We didn't say that it was okay. You listen to people like Mitch McConnell, they'll say, oh, no, no. It's not okay that he did. He's responsible for that. The place where they really get hung up is that it was merely not constitutional. And that's why they voted against convicting him. Simply because they say it's not constitutional. And that the thing that I say with regularity at this time is, I suppose it's kind of nice watching the Republicans pretend that they care about the Constitution because nothing could be further from the truth. The good news is, for the most part, Donald Trump is out of our lives for now. But what happened with the second impeachment of Donald Trump tells you that when this happens again, the United States Republican Party, as well as their voters, are going to be okay with this happening again. And as long as the United States Republican Party stands as one of the two major parties in this country, as long as they stand as one of the two major parties in this country, the clock is ticking. It really is only a matter of time before, yes, 
We do not actually have a country again. Now, don't go anywhere. Come back. Come back to me. Come now. Come now. This doesn't mean that you should storm the Capitol. This doesn't mean that you should try to assassinate a congressman that you don't like. But what this does mean is that you have been warned. Donald Trump was dumb. As dumb as the day is long. I will never understand how he even got one, one person under his spell. Let alone, how many voted for him in the last election? 73 or 74 million? I will never understand that. But I suppose that's the reason why he, why he blesses, quite openly, the poorly educated. So, one of the things that got him there was the news media. And it's not just the usual suspects. One America News, Fox News, Newsmax, Right Wing Radio, Rush Limbaugh, specifically, Sean Hannity, specifically, Judge Janine, Tucker Carlson. It's not just them. It is also, and I'm going to catch smoke for this, and I don't care. It's also... MSNBC and CNN. See, those news outlets, and they are news outlets, operate on a model where they need as many eyeballs to the, to the screen as possible. Not, not for the purposes of informing you, but for the purposes of having those eyeballs there when the ads run in between segments, yes, the majority of what is on that channel is news. But that's not why they're there. That's not what employs those people. That's not what keeps the lights on. When you feel like you need to turn on the news and you cannot turn off the news. I've spoken to people who were watching television when Kennedy was assassinated. And they said they didn't feel like they could turn the TV off ever again. Because they just weren't, they just felt like they lived in an uncertain world. And that's what happened with Mr. Trump as president. I was one of the folks glued to the telly. Sometimes would have it running in my house all day long. Could not turn away. And then I, and then I became exhausted. The day that Donald Trump lost the election. I pulled myself off of all, all of his email and text lists, every single one of them. I was done. I was exhausted. I kept up with him when he was relevant and turned away when he wasn't anymore. And within a few weeks, news outlets started saying things like, boy, the news is kind of boring, huh? Yes, the news is kind of boring. And to a degree, it should be boring. It should be informative, not infotainment. That's it. Get what you need. Move on with your life. That's it. But then the ultimate happened. When I turned on one of the networks that I like to watch today. It was in the morning, Alex Witt, and she says, huh, so 
I think Donald Trump is having a really hard time. So they turn it on him. I think Donald Trump is having a really hard time not being the center of attention anymore. What say you? Now that Donald Trump's not the center of attention anymore, what do you think he's doing right now? Now there's stop. Right there. If news is driven by profit, then that dickhead is always going to be the headline, no matter what. And after he's dead, there will be thousands of books that have been written about him as president. And there will be hundreds, if not thousands of documentaries about him as president because he draws eyeballs to the television. But when I voted him out of office, I voted for the nightmare to end. I voted for all of that space that was taken up in my life and in my brain because that pile of human waste was president. I voted for all of that to go away. There's other things going on in my life and there should be in yours too. We all have PTSD from the Donald Trump presidency and there's, and it's, there's, you, there's no mistaking why. He was a terrorist. He was a cancer on the, and still is a cancer on the American body politic. And all of us need to go through the therapy and process of removal of that cancer as much as we can. Yeah, you can't always get rid of every little bit of it, but you should get rid of as much as you can because eventually it will destroy its host. Turn away from the telly for a little bit. Don't go to full uninformed. Turn away from the telly a little bit. Turn away from the newspapers just a little bit. Turn toward your community. Turn towards those that you love. The era of having to be stuck to the screen all the time because we had a terrorist as president has been remedied by the fact that we no longer have a terrorist white supremacist as president. And on this show, and on any other show, if I have to hear about him, and he is not going to jail or dead, I'm turning off your coverage. I can't take it anymore. And I don't think my fellow Americans can or should either. Let us not be willing participants in the destruction of our minds any further. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Melvin. I run a little show called The Fire You Can't Put Out. And I am over. 45th president of the United States. Done. Alright. Now that I've woken you up, good morning.